This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, November 12, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. The Jones Act is a nearly 100-year-old law that places severe limitations on what ships may transport goods among U.S. states and territories. The essential argument for it is that it enhances national security. Is that true? Cato's Colin Graybow examines that claim in his new Cato paper, Rust Buckets, How the Jones Act Undermines U.S. Shipbuilding and National Security. It's available now at Cato.org. Well, let's first remember what the Jones Act is. It's As you said, it's a law that's almost 100 years old. It was passed in 1920. And among other things, it mandated that vessels transporting goods between two points in the United States have to be U.S. flagged and registered, at least 75% U.S. crewed, 75% U.S. owned, and U.S. built. Now, in a national security context, the Jones Act is meant to achieve three things. Uh, The first is assuring access to ships during time of war through that U.S. flag requirement, Uh, assure the uh, United States access to mariners in times of war through that 75% crew requirement, and then lastly, to assure a domestic uh, shipbuilding capability through that U.S. build requirement. So that's the theory behind the Jones Act, but I think the reality has been proven somewhat different. Uh, In 1990, the Jones Act was put to the test when, following Iraq's invasion of Kuwait, the United States uh, had the sudden need to rush as many troops and supplies and equipment to Saudi Arabia as quickly as possible. To do this, at least for the equipment and supplies, required sea lift, which is the exact thing the Jones Act was meant to ensure. Except the United States didn't have enough uh, domestic sea lift. It didn't have enough ships. It didn't have enough mariners. The United States actually had to use 177 foreign flag ships to transport its supplies and equipment. There was such a scramble for ships that the United States actually asked the Soviet Union twice to borrow some of their ships. Um, and what of this Jones Act fleet that we have? Well, there was only a single Jones Act ship that actually transported uh, equipment from the United States to Saudi Arabia. And beyond ships, there weren't enough mariners either. To crew U.S. sea lift ships, these are ships that are owned by the federal government, which rely upon civilian mariners to crew them in time of war. The United States had to use retirees, including veterans of the Korean War, the Vietnam War, World War II. At least two of these mariners were in their 80s. The oldest was 92. The conflict's duration was so short, meanwhile, that a shipbuilding capability never really came into play, uh, you know, even had the need arisen. And since the Gulf War, the Jones Act fleet and the number of U.S. mariners has only further declined. If the Jones Act is supposed to privilege ships that are built in the United States to perform relatively more tasks than ships built elsewhere in, in terms of uh, trade uh, among the states and uh, with uh, other countries... Why are there so relatively few ships being constructed in the United States? Well, the short answer is that it's because United States, U.S. built ships are incredibly expensive. Uh, The United States doesn't have much of a shipbuilding capability, at least not a very efficient one. Um, Shortly after the Jones Act was passed in 1922, it was it was uh, calculated that a U.S. built ship was about twenty percent more expensive than one built abroad. By the nineteen thirties, it was fifty percent more expensive. By the nineteen fifties, a U.S. built ship was twice as expensive as one built abroad. By the nineteen eighties, it was triple the cost of one built abroad. And today, it's been calculated that a U.S. built container ship is up to five times more expensive than one built in another country. 
And what's amazing about this is this is despite the fact that U.S. shipbuilding wages are actually lower than some of those in other shipbuilding countries such as Japan and South Korea. So more expensive ships means fewer ships, which is the opposite of what you want from a national security or sea lift perspective. And you and I have discussed this uh, recently, in fact, that liquefied natural gas, if uh, Puerto Rico wants it, it makes more financial sense to import it from Russia than from the United States. Yeah, uh, it, it's literally, you know, I, I don't think it makes financial sense. The problem is that it's literally impossible uh, to get it from the United States because there are no Jones Act ships. And that in turn is because of the uh, extremely high shipbuilding costs that are involved. You know, it's been calculated, I think, by the Wall Street Journal that a foreign built LNG carrier would cost about $180 million of built in South Korea. To build one in the United States would be about $700 million. So we're talking half a billion dollars more for a single ship. So that ship's never going to get built. National security uh, in 1922 was a very different from what it is now. And uh, the, But that was the argument made at the time. Have the arguments on behalf of the Jones Act changed substantially or are they still making the claim that this law does in fact enhance U.S. national security. No, these claims are absolutely still made, uh, which is which is amazing because, like I said before, they don't really comport with the available evidence. And furthermore, I think it's useful to keep in mind just how much uh, the shipbuilding world and the maritime world has changed in the last hundred years. Uh, for example, ships are increasingly specialized and they don't align as much with what the military needs. And the military wants ships that are flexible, that can perform lots of different tasks. Whereas the commercial world likes ships that are very specialized. Uh, for example, back in 1920, there was no such thing as a roll-on, roll-off ship. And now we not only have these roll-on, roll-off ships or row-rows, but they're, they can be incredibly specialized. Um, the most predominant form of row-row ship is a what's called a pure car and truck carrier. These are, as the name implies, these are ships that are meant to carry cars and trucks, uh, but they're not great for carrying, say, tanks. Um, you also have the bifurcation of shipbuilding. Um, I, I think some people may think that a ship, a shipyard is a shipyard and it can build any type of ship when in fact these shipyards are very specialized. Uh, a commercial shipyard is very different from one that builds uh, ships for the US Navy. There was actually a report in 2001 by the Commerce Department which said that uh, the technical specialization applied to a naval vessel is not applied to commercial ships and that technology in both fields is advancing to such an extent that the two modes of construction are you know, increasingly segregated. We have the globalization of ship production. I think a lot of people may, may think to themselves, okay, I understand the Jones Act imposes costs, but in exchange for those costs, we get this domestic shipbuilding capability that can be useful in time of war and we, we won't have to rely on foreigners to, to build our ships for us. But US built ships aren't all that American. Um, take for example, the Philadelphia shipyard which over the past year has built two ships. Uh, the shipyard itself is Norwegian owned. Um, the ships that are built, uh, the, the machinery, the components in them that make them actually work, a lot of them are foreign. Uh, I looked up these ships and out of I think eight or nine major components, all but one were foreign built. For example, the propeller is from South Korea. 
The steering gear is from Rolls-Royce uh, Marine of the United Kingdom. Uh, the side thrusters are from a Norwegian company, et cetera, et cetera. So these US built ships are actually filled with foreign components. So we can we can kid ourselves that these are truly American, but I think it's an open question just how different uh, it is from these US built ships versus just buying buying a, a ship from a foreign shipyard. I spoke with a Dr. Akina from the Grassroot Institute in Hawaii recently. Um, and I, I know that the Cato Institute favors or our scholars at the Cato Institute favor a full repeal, uh, but there are elements of the Jones Act that could be altered uh, that would alleviate a lot of problems for states like Hawaii, for territories like uh, Puerto Rico, and in fact uh, would alleviate some of the troubles uh, shipping among U.S. states that are, that are coastal states. Um, what are the provisions that if you could rank order them? in terms of must go to maybe not must go, what would they be? I think absolutely the biggest problem uh, in the Jones Act and the provision that has to go, priority number one would be the US build requirement. Um, this this is not just unusual in terms of maritime cabotage laws. Um, there, I think there's only maybe five countries in the world that have a law mandating that vessels used uh, in domestic transport have to be built in that country, and the U.S. is one of them. Uh, this is not just inconsistent with broader um, policy in other countries, but it's, it's inconsistent with our own policy. Uh, U.S. airlines, for example, do not have to buy uh, U.S. built airplanes, and it's a good thing if Boeing had a U.S. build requirement, I think that it wouldn't be as competitive of, of a company and, and the competition with Airbus makes it better. Furthermore, as, as we already discussed, um, the U.S. isn't very good at building ships. So there's a lot of types of ships we lack because it's so prohibitively expensive to build them here. There are no liquefied natural gas carriers. There are no liquefied um, petroleum gas carriers. There are no asphalt carriers. There are no livestock carriers. The Jones Act fleet by deadweight tonnage, which is the uh, amount of cargo it can carry, is about 80% oil tankers. This is not a very diverse fleet. It, it lacks the capabilities to service the world's largest economy. And it's, it's high time that we got rid of this, this failed provision. Colin Graybow is author of the new Cato paper, Rust Buckets, How the Jones Act Undermines U.S. Shipbuilding and National Security. It's available now at Cato.org. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 